Welcome to the Dynamic Leaders Podcast. You have Christine here, Colin's wife, and you have Colin. We are going to be continuing my episode about the ways that I use the seven pillars of dynamic leadership in my fitness jobs. Uh, We split this up into two episodes because I was kind of dying the first time we recorded. And there's an extra fun element about this second recording because we are doing this on the four-year anniversary of us getting engaged. So we have a little celebration tonight. We celebrate all of our anniversaries. So we celebrate the first day we started dating, we celebrate the day we got engaged, and we celebrate the day that we got married because as Colin would say, we like to have fun around here. So we're having a little bit of wine while we record this. Uh, so it should make it just a little bit of extra fun. Yeah, welcome back everyone to episode two of Behind the Seas. That's officially what we're going with for the segment name for these collaborative opportunities that we have to be together and to talk about a lot of different things. And I know we're on these first two talking about something that you've heard multiple times on the podcast and it may seem a little bit repetitive but it's extremely important and it's important I think for me one of the reasons that we wanted to do it was to get that understanding from someone else and what their perspective was versus just hearing it from me all the time but I know Christine has a lot of really fun different types of episodes planned for the future so definitely stick around for those but Let's dive back into what we have today with the seven pillars of dynamic leadership. Yeah, so just to be extra clear on this, I also really wanted to talk about this topic because I think one of the most helpful things that you can do when putting out content is making sure that it's real world applicable. So hearing examples and stories often helps things resonate with people. So that's what I wanted to be able to share uh, to make these seven pillars of dynamic leadership more relatable to your everyday life uh, since I'm sharing how I use them in one of my many jobs. Okay, so for a quick recap, in episode one, we went over courage, we went over driving accountability, and we went over motivation. So we are on to the fourth pillar, which is integrity. I say this all the time, integrity is a small word with a big meaning. It's one of those words that can be a buzzword and a lot of companies you'll see it in their court values, they'll tell you that they have the utmost integrity, but if you ask them to actually define it, a lot of times they'll, you'll catch them off guard. They won't know what to say. You don't need to use the literal definition of integrity when you're talking about that. Integrity is really, for me, it's what you're personally about. Like You have to be true to yourself and that shows a really high level of integrity. And unfortunately, it's something that is extremely difficult on a daily basis. There's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of laziness out there. There is just so many ways that your integrity can really fall to the back burner and the people that have integrity really stand out as a result of that and especially in a leadership position so integrity super important but what do you have to say about it before i get into how it impacts me fun fact when you said that a lot of companies have it in their core values it was 
in the core values of a place that Colin and I actually worked together back in Syracuse. And I thought the company uh, displayed integrity pretty well, but I do agree with you that it has gotten to be a pretty buzzy word. Uh, And since it can mean something different to everyone, since everyone tends to have different morals and values, it can be something that there's a lot of disagreement about and something that lacks in a lot of people. Uh, But as far as using it in my fitness jobs, I would say that working in fitness requires integrity because you have to be on the entire time you're there and that just requires your personal integrity. Um, A lot of jobs, you can come in kind of coast. Like I know personally working nine to five, sometimes you have days where you don't really want to be there and you're not feeling super productive. So you'll kick back a little bit and just know that you're not going to be at 100%. And I think that's okay. That's fine. Not everyone can be 100% all the time. But when you're in a fitness role, since you're in charge of the energy of the room, like I keep saying, you have to have integrity because you need to be operating at that 100%. So I think that's one really big tie-in of how I use integrity is even if I'm not feeling 100%, like when my alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning, I'm really not feeling 100%, but I can't let that show in class. I have to show up and try to give people the best hour of their day. Uh, And then besides that, integrity is required because you need to make sure that everyone in class is on point with their form. And going back to my earlier point, if you came in and were coasting and you weren't paying attention to what everyone was doing, then you could easily end up with someone getting hurt or someone having a really bad experience and then not coming back. And that is obviously not what you want. So something that I'll do to make sure that I'm checking on everyone is specifically in F45, as soon as the timer starts, I will look at each person in each station in that time period and make sure that they are doing the exercise correctly. I'll do a very quick scan. So I'll start by scanning the entire room. If someone's doing something very glaringly wrong, I'll see it right away. That scan takes like two seconds to notice something. And then I'll do a more in-depth scan of each person at each station. So I'll start with whatever station is closest to me and then look around the room at each individual because it's really easy with a room of 20 people to kind of just see the big picture and, and zone out. But you could easily miss things if you do that. So I make sure that I'm looking at every single individual and as soon as I see something that is wrong, I'll go up and correct their form. Usually I will look for the most glaring things. Um, That's another kind of trick that I do when I'm coaching is if I know a move is particularly difficult, I will stand near that one. Or if I know that there's something that people often mess up, I will check that station first and correct them first. So if, for example, we do deadlifts pretty often and People who are new round their back all the time or let their shoulders roll forward, which then ends up letting your back round as you keep going through the movement. And that's a really easy way to get hurt. So those are just some quick ways that I try to like pay attention to everyone and make sure that I'm having integrity while I'm there on the job. Yeah, and integrity is interesting for your specific line of work because there's a lot of tie-in to motivation. And I know when we talked the last time, you spoke about how showing up and being there the the leader of the room the energy in the room and just holding other people accountable so three of those pillars just bam right there integrity motivational accountability 
they all relate in a lot of different ways and so it's just funny how they're different but they're all the same and they can all complement each other in a lot of different ways and I think the biggest thing you pointed out with the integrity piece I mean when you're talking about physical fitness not that you can it's the big argument you know what's worse a mental injury a physical injury but when something's hurting it can really affect you and if you just let somebody slack off and they're either have bad form or they're using too heavy a weight and you really they get hurt as a result of that then that just affects their entire life outside of the gym like the gym is just one stop in their day they maybe have to go to work care for a family you know you don't know what their life is outside of the gym sometimes and for you to make sure that they enter that gym healthy and that they leave the gym healthy and hopefully in a better physical shape too I think is part of that integrity piece yeah absolutely and it's kind of like what I said where you know if I show up to my marketing job and I'm feeling lazy for a couple of hours like no one's gonna get hurt no one's gonna die like maybe there's a few less sales on the internet but if I am feeling lazy during a fitness class someone could get very hurt and I was first thinking about this from the lens of like injuries maybe someone's form is bad but even things like people who are trying to work out class for the first time who aren't super into fitness can need an AED or CPR or really big emergencies like that so you have to be awake and prepared and ready for things like that I also want to touch on the fact that you mentioned how these pillars kind of feed into each other and I think it kind of makes sense because while most people wouldn't think of a fitness job as leadership, like I've said, you're the leader of that class, so you really have to employ all of these things. Yeah, definitely agree. So let's move on to grit, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I basically did a grit-type episode recently with Danny, and we talked about working harder versus working smarter and how we just came to the conclusion that you use both of those, and I think the biggest thing that I want to point out before I let you take this away with grit is obviously grit inherently is working hard, but if you're working hard on the wrong thing, then it doesn't matter how hard you're working. (laughs) So I don't know how to make that any clearer, but you have to know that the work you're doing is providing the value that you're being asked to do whether that's in a traditional work setting, that's in a fitness setting, that's in an entrepreneurial setting, wherever it is that you are being asked to complete something, if you're doing it wrong, it doesn't matter how hard you work. So don't get grit and don't get hard work confused with being an idiot. That's fair. And hearing you say that, just an example within fitness could be that, you know, part of my responsibility is cleaning up equipment after people at F45 specifically and CrossFit, I don't really have to do that. But at F45, if I focused all of my time and all of my energy on just cleaning equipment after people were done with it, that's not providing nearly the value that I am asked to be there to provide. So I could have a ton of grit in the sense that I am super willing to mop up sweat after people, but that's not helping them as much as being a trainer should. Mm -hmm. So just thinking about that like obviously I need to focus on the parts of my job that are really important Uh, and then as far as what I was thinking for how grit applies to 
my fitness jobs. This kind of, again, feeds back into what I said in integrity, but like as much as I would love to say that I wake up at 4.30 in the morning, like ready to jump out of bed, uh, super excited, I don't always look forward to having a 12 hour day and I don't always look forward to the alarm clock going off at 4.30. I mean, today's a Thursday, I was up at 4.30 and when my alarm went off, I was dragging myself out of bed. There have been times where I actively catch myself saying, no, out loud when my alarm goes off. So I am a human and as much fun as I have at these jobs, I am not always super excited. So you have to employ grit to make sure that you're showing up. And this even comes into play less so, but it does also happen when I'm going to CrossFit on Tuesdays just because I've had a long day at work and when I hop in the car at 5 p.m., I would love to go straight home, but you know, I don't. And it all comes down to really a mindset shift because like, why did I start doing this in the first place? Because I love it, because it's fun, because it brings me more energy than it takes away. That is hard to remember in the moment sometimes. So I do have to actively shift my mindset whenever I'm starting to feel that way. Like if I'm tired, my brain will automatically start going toward those negative thoughts of like, oh, if only I could be sleeping or if only I could be home relaxing. But once I start saying that to myself, I really have to stop and think, you know what? You're in this specifically because it's fun, because you like to connect with other people, because you feel that fitness helps people live their best life. So you need to just remember that once you're there, you're going to have way more fun than you think you are on the drive there. And it always works. Like as soon as I'm there, I am having a great time. And as soon as I'm done, I do feel more energized. That's partially because I'm extroverted, so I get more energy by being around people all the time. Uh, it doesn't drain me to be in front of a class teaching people. It actually leaves me feeling pretty hype afterward. So I just have to keep those things in mind um, and actively shift that mindset whenever my tired mind is negatively pulling me back. And that just does require grit. And that just requires like putting in the reps and, and making sure that you're working hard and showing up over and over again. I love how you talked about the mindset shift and I think that is something that we can all relate to when whether it's we just want to get that extra hour of sleep or we just want to go home after a long day of work and we don't want to go to our quote-unquote second job it could be really easy in the moment but remembering what you get out of the experience and the energy that it brings can be a motivator to help you push through and have that gritty attitude all right on to the sixth pillar which is be a great communicator and for me specifically when i talk about communication i'm talking about a low-key and practical communication style and my example of this all the time is fireside chats given by former president franklin roosevelt where he put together these 30-minute chats during the Great Depression on the radio when the United States as a country, there was a lot of anxiety and didn't really know what direction things were going. And as a way to communicate with them, he started these radio chats on a nightly basis just to update. I don't know if it was nightly, maybe it was weekly, but to update the American people. And the best thing he did, so being on the radio, the choice, the 
medium of choice during that time was a super important aspect, obviously, but the more important part of it was the way that he communicated to his Americans. He realized, and he had the foresight to realize that all Americans are different. So the people that he interacted with in Washington were going to be different than the poorest communities in New York or out in Los Angeles, wherever it was. So regardless of race, gender, education, any of those diversity pieces, FDR wanted to be able to relate and be able to communicate effectively with them. So he used very small words, very basic words. He was almost like a kindergarten teacher, just talked in a very basic tone, everything straight to the point, very concise, became must listen to radio was obviously something that we all learn now in our history books and was super influential for when television started to become a medium and presidents and leaders in that way used the new forms of technology to communicate. But the way he specifically communicated, and Joe Torrey is another one of my favorites that communicated in a more in the low key aspect where he as a manager didn't feel the need to get all rah-rah and baseball as a sport. So Joe Torre was the manager of the Yankees and baseball is a little bit more of a reserved sport as it is. But with Torre in the heat of the moment, just being able to have that low key communication style in a zoo of the New York City media was a really important aspect to him being successful, especially when he was the manager of the Yankees. Although I'm sure he had that style throughout the majority of his managerial career. And that is my little run through of why the communication style is so important. But I'd love to hear what your opinions are on this pillar. Yeah, absolutely. Like I had mentioned earlier, I'm the one who sets the tone for the entire class and makes sure that everyone knows what they're doing. So I have to make sure my communication is extremely clear clear otherwise people are confused and fitness is one of those things that it's very science-based so you can make it as complicated as you want to like when I studied for my NASM personal trainer certification they asked questions in a really complicated way like just to throw you off and I don't want to be communicating with people that way because your average person coming to a workout class doesn't care to know the scientific term. They don't care to know that they're moving in the transverse plane or that they're using their trapezius or rhomboids or anything like that. You have to be, you have to take it down to almost an elementary level. And to really expound that even further, people are coming to class at 530 in the morning. They are not awake yet. They can barely understand anything that's not coffee. So explaining things to them in a way that makes sense uh, is challenging and you have to make sure that your communication is on point. It has to be quick, it has to be simple, and you have to use words that people understand. So for example, F45 is an Australian-based workout, so they use funny words for things sometimes. The setup of the classroom is, instead of calling things circuits, they call them pods. and since F45 is a franchise, I have to call the circuits pods when I'm explaining it to people, but I explain it to people separately usually that it is, when I say pod, I mean circuit. Uh, And 
when I step into the F45 classroom, I have a very limited amount of time to explain the workout. So if you've never been to one, it's very technology based. The workout is up on the screen in front of you and every workout, every move in the workout is explained on that TV just through a video. And for me to explain it to the entire class, I'm given, I think, 30 seconds to explain the format of it and then something like 15 seconds to explain each movement, which if you're doing complicated movements, 15 seconds is not a long time to explain to someone how to do the exercise. And then there are some days I come in and it's 27 stations. So I have to explain 27 stations to people in a way that they understand. It can get very complicated very quickly. So the way that I get around that with my communication style is I pick one cue for each exercise that I want to really hit home and I make sure that I say that and really try to limit it to one, maybe two cues per exercise. So like if we're demoing deadlifts, I'm going to explain to people that you need to keep your shoulders rolled back even though the bar's trying to pull you forward and you need to keep your back flat the entire time. And I will leave it at that before we move on to the next exercise. Deadlifts, for as simple as they look, are actually extremely complicated movement. I could go on and on about them. And if I was in a CrossFit setting, I probably would talk to you for a lot longer about how you should be doing that. But we're really challenged to move through things very quickly in a setting like F45, so I have to be sure of what I'm going to say in advance. Uh, even things like not naming certain exercises or not explaining to people the name of the exercise, just explaining how to do it can make a big difference because lots of people have different names for different things, the same way that Australians call uh, circuits pods, in the F45 setting at least. People have all sorts of different definitions for burpees. I've seen people say that they're doing a burpee and their chest doesn't hit the ground. I've seen people do a full push-up in a burpee. In CrossFit, you just flop your chest to the ground. Like All of those things can be so different and you just have to keep all of that in mind that you're really explaining things to people who don't care about it that much and those facts are totally irrelevant to the people in your class. You just have to keep it as simple as possible. It's also really important in CrossFit that I keep my communication style pretty simple because people grab their own equipment and they have to scale everything accordingly. So if on the board it says that we're doing a workout that's 10 pull-ups, 20 box jumps, 400 meter run, maybe people can't do box jumps. So they need to do step ups instead. Uh, and that's something that I need to communicate to them before class or maybe they can't do pull-ups and they shouldn't even be heading over to a pull-up bar for the workout. They should be doing ring rows, and that's something that I need to communicate to them, maybe in front of everyone, or maybe just going right up to them and explaining it to them um, what the scaling options are. But like communication is a huge part of fitness roles. Okay, on to our final pillar, and this is one of those true last but not least because... Emotional intelligence as a leader, being able to recognize it, having the self-awareness to understand it at a deeper level. If you can't do that, then you can't be a leader. So literally none of the other pillars matter if you can't have a high level of emotional intelligence. 
it's extremely important to remember that all people are just that they're human beings just like you they have feelings they have things going on outside of the office outside of the gym outside of the athletic field that you don't always know you don't always get to see and you can't make an assumption just because somebody may come in and have a bad day or they may be angry or upset a lot of different things happen and being able to recognize when somebody's a little bit off from what they normally are and bring them in for a private one-on-one to say hey is there something up how can i help you letting them know that you're there to support them and that they aren't in a vulnerable position and that they can express themselves just as they would if they were having a great day and feeling really good is an extremely underrated aspect of being a leader and it's something that i know firsthand many leaders don't have and it's something that if i had to pick one thing in my business that i really wanted to highlight over and over and over again it would be that ei piece because again it doesn't really matter anything else whether it's these seven pillars whether it's the x and o's and the strategies that you're doing it doesn't matter if you can't relate to other people yeah it's funny to me that you called it ei because i call it eq but i'm sure either works (laughs) and eq is something that i pride myself on i think that i employ it in so many facets of my life but it definitely comes into play at the gym as well specifically because gyms are a place where people can feel really vulnerable Um, i remember back before i ever went to gyms i was just a runner i say just a runner meaning like i would go outside and go for a run i didn't show up someplace where there were other people working out it was very individual so in college i started going to the gym and i had been super intimidated before i ever walked in i wouldn't go without a friend because i felt like i was going to go in there and not know how to use the equipment and people were going to look at me funny or be like laughing to themselves that I was using the equipment wrong. And I know that if I, as a current fitness trainer, have feelings like that, then there's no way that people walking into the gyms that I coach in for the first time don't have those same feelings as well. I even still get that feeling sometimes in classroom settings because all gyms do things differently and I don't know what the format of the class is going to be before I walk in. So it can be very intimidating. Uh, You really get the feeling like everyone in there knows what they're doing. I don't. Everyone in here has been doing this longer than me. They are fitter than I am. I don't belong here. I I know that's a feeling that a lot of people have. And I want to make sure that no one ever feels that way. I want everyone to feel super welcome. I truly think that fitness is for anyone. There are people with disabilities that work out in the gyms that I come to. Like I literally think that fitness is for anyone. So I want to make sure that people feel that way. If I can tell that someone walks in and is feeling uncomfortable, I automatically go right up to that person, introduce myself, ask them about themselves, just strike up the conversation, make sure that they feel super welcome. And I make sure that those people get an extra explanation of the workout. So like I mentioned earlier, you have to have clear and effective communication. I make sure that these people who are new and may be uncomfortable hear that communication more than once. So while it is my job to 
at the beginning of class go over the workout with everyone. I make sure that if someone is brand new, I go over the workout with them individually before I go over it with the entire class. Um, if someone walks into F45, I tell them exactly what they should expect when they're in there. Uh, and if someone is new to CrossFit, then they usually already have a little bit of an idea because you're supposed to take a fundamentals class before you would ever be in my class. But if I don't know someone, I still walk right up. Hi, I don't think I've met you before. Like, how long have you been coming here? Do you have any injuries? What's your fitness background? Things like that because you have to really put yourself in the shoes of that new person. If I walked into a gym and the trainer didn't say hi to me, didn't welcome me, didn't ask me anything personal about myself, that would not help me feel more comfortable. That would make me feel 10 times worse and wonder what I was doing there and I probably wouldn't come back. And that's the last thing that I want. So just making sure that I can sense, well, just making sure that I approach new people and then I try to sense out when other people are having a bad day or something is off so that I'm not pushing them inappropriately or anything like that. This also comes into play because I think I mentioned this before, but people can get into a place of negative self-talk when they're in the gym. And if I am able to pick up on how they're feeling and like have that empathy for them, that helps me get them to a place where they leave in a better place than where they came in. Because if I can sense that someone's feeling a particular way, I'll be able to help boost them up more. So honestly, to me, emotional intelligence, I agree. It's, it's one of the most important things that you could possibly have. If you are in any type of role, you need to be aware of how the people around you are feeling because you're going to treat them differently based on that. And that is so important to me. I know I appreciate that when other people have high emotional intelligence and I always am trying to be super empathetic and super understanding of where people are at and where they're coming from. So, I'm just curious before we get out of here today, you mentioned how you will identify people at the gym who maybe are looking a little bit vulnerable. How do you actually do that? Can you walk us through that process? Yeah, so when someone comes in, if I am pretty good at recognizing people's faces. So if I don't think I've seen you before, I will just walk right up to you. There are also specific cues that I will get from people at F45. So basically there's three different doors you can walk in. Two of them are locked, but they are big glass doors that are really visible. So if people are new, they will walk right up to those glass doors and think that that's how they get into the gym. So if I see anyone making a move toward that door, I'll walk up, open it from the inside and say, hi, is it your first time here? And then talk them through the process. Okay, we'll actually come in this door. Here's where you check in. Here's how we'll uh, do the format of the workout. We have everyone line up on that blue track in the front of the room before class starts. And that's where we explain everything. We'll introduce ourselves. We'll demo all of the movements, blah, blah, blah. So. That's like a big cue that I look for. I try to be super aware, especially on Saturdays because that's a busy day for F45 and a big day for new people to come in. I'll, I'll be on the lookout for people specifically doing that. And then I'm a member at my CrossFit gym and CrossFit is a little more niche. There's not a ton of new people coming in and trying it all the time. So when someone is new, it tends to be pretty obvious. So again, I just walk right up to them. Hi, don't think I've met you before. 
and then I start to ask them questions about their background and everything. If it's someone that I know and they're feeling, they appear to be feeling a little bit down that day, that's different. So what I'll notice there is there are people who come in and want to have a conversation with me all the time. If they come in one day and they walk right past me or they come in with headphones on or they're looking down or they are stretching on their own in the corner, I'm going to take that as a sign that maybe today's not a great day for them and I'm not going to be pushing them as hard as I usually would. So it's looking for things like that. Um, but then it's also looking on the opposite end of the spectrum. So if there's someone that I haven't really heard from before, but I noticed that they are looking a little eager or trying to talk to people before class or maybe giving high fives in the middle of the workout, I will go up to that person and know that they are feeling it today and try to give them a push. So just looking for those differences in energy and actions um, helps me figure out who needs what kind of touch that day. Awesome. And that's a great way to wrap up the seven pillars in our first two episodes of Behind the Seas. Do you have any last minute thoughts that you want to leave us with or do you even want to give the listening audience a little teaser into some of the topics we're going to be chatting about in the future? Yeah, uh, I have a couple things to say. One, while we were talking about communication, I feel like I got a little long winded. So it's funny and ironic that that happened on that particular pillar. So sorry, but it's very important. And that's why I had a lot to say about it. Also to touch on some of our future episode topics. If you know me at all in my personal life, you will know that one of the things that I am obsessed with talking about is like, what is our purpose in life? Why do we have a 40 hour work week? Why do people rigidly have to sit at a desk from nine to five? So I would like to have an episode where we go over our thoughts and opinions on that because I think that's something we talk about all the time. And then on the more fun, personal side of things, I want to do an episode of our marriage hacks where we both show up, not having shared these with each other in advance, and then sharing them for the first time through this recording and talking about the things that we do to keep our marriage healthy. Uh, I think there's some really good tips that other people could use, but then there's also just some really funny stuff that we both do that could make for a really interesting episode. All right, that sounds like a wrap. Anything else before we go? No, that's about all I got. Thanks for showing up again.